Hello, welcome to Hello. Microsoft Community Insight Podcast, where we share insight from community experts to stay up to date with Azure. My name is Nicholas, and I will be host today. In this episode, we will dive into Azure Kubernetes service. Uh, but before we get started, I want to remind you to follow us on social media and never miss this episode. So it help us meet, reach more amazing people like yourself. So today we have a special guest today, uh, Richard Hooper. Can you please start introducing yourself, please? Yeah, hi. Um, so I'm Richard Hooper, also known as Pixel Robots Online. Um, so you can follow me on all socials and on the blog and at Pixel Robots. Um, Azure MVP for five years now, um, Microsoft Certified Trainer, author of a book called Azure Containers Explained, and uh, so much more. <laughs> Probably haven't got enough time. So yeah, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh so speaking about your author about Azure Explained, do you want to give a little brief summary of your, your book before we get started? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So the book, which is available on Amazon and at Pact, um, is basically all about the different technologies you can run containers on inside Microsoft Azure. Um, we go into like the use case of why you would do it, sort of pitfalls, the pros, the cons, and then it would sort of build up your application from a simple app all the way up to a multi tenant sort of multi um i don't know how to describe this like um m- multiple containers into your app so you got your front end your back end apis and stuff like that and yeah so you go all the way from like running it on vms all the way up to uh aks and further okay and i take it this book is available from amazon right yes yeah i get it on amazon and online at packed as well Okay, so as today's theme is Azure Kubernetes service, we just get to ask you some questions regarding it. So what are the most common use case for using AKS? So yeah, the good question. Um, the most common use case we see is where software companies have got an application that's running in web servers and then other apps, and they've already like slightly decoupled them. And then they want to basically be able to scale this quicker, but without having to add a new virtual machine, setting up IIS or Apache, setting up all that web server config, and then adding this on, adding that on. And they want to be able to scale their app based on demand. So like when you've got Black Friday or Christmas sales, they want their app to expand but when you've got it on virtual machines you need to add more compute or you need to um add a new one into the cluster so it gets a bit complicated and a bit more manual whereas with aks you got your containers running and you can just say oh yeah i just once i've hit this certain threshold be it cpu memory even maybe http requests or other metrics from service bus or rabbit mq it will just scale it up and automatically scale it and then use the virtual machines in the background to automatically scale and you've just got that sort of, I wouldn't say unlimited scale, but near unlimited based on your quotas in Azure. Okay. So speaking of scaling up, how does this Azure Kubernetes service differ from other AKS, like Kubernetes service, because they have different providers? Yeah, so it's a good one because um, AKS used to just have the cluster autoscaler, which is a Kubernetes thing. All of the cloud providers use cluster autoscaler. All of the on-prem Kubernetes distributions will use cluster autoscaler. 
And then there's a company called AWS, you know, Amazon, a massive big company. They got their own one. They created this cool tool called Carpenter, which basically is a new and improved, in a way, autoscaler, but it's now been open sourced, donated to the CNCF, part of the autoscaler SIG. And um, it basically can work in Azure now and other cloud providers. But what this does differently to the autoscaler is you can tell it, right, I would like to use any VM size in this family. Um, and then it will go off, find the best resources available to you, the best VM size automatically for you based on your workload you're giving it. Whereas with the cluster autoscaler, you need to have your node pools already created and it can scale up and down, but it can't change the SKU randomly. So Carpenter is new. They call it node auto provision inside AKS and definitely worth a, a look if anyone's wanting to look at that. But it's in preview, so it can be a bit buggy, but it's good. Okay, so speaking of other like Kubernetes services from different pro- cloud provider, what are the major benefits of using AKS than other Kubernetes service? <clears throat> For me, I would say the ease of use, the ease of onboarding, the developer experience, the integrations to things like Azure AD, Entra ID, um, where most of you, you find most of the enterprises will have a mugs of Active Directory directory in their own tenants, or they'll use Entra ID. So AKS can easily integrate into that. Um, but yeah, the AKS development team and the product management team have put a lot of effort in to make the updates a lot easier. So it does pre-validation checks to make sure your APIs aren't depreciated. They, they've invested a lot of time given back to the open source community. So they work on the actual Kubernetes source code and all these third-party add-ons, give it back to the CNCF, and then other people can use it, other cloud providers can use it. Whereas other companies like Amazon and that, they're, they're not always nice at giving back to the open source community, whereas Azure really is. So I love that about them. Yeah. So speaking of, when again, scaling with Azure Kubernetes, Azure Kubernetes service, how does AKS handle scaling and load balancing? Yeah, so that's a good question again. Um, so obviously you've got the node scaling, so that depends on if the, if I have too much workload for the existing nodes, it will add a new node for me, either using the cluster autoscaler or by using the node access, um, node auto provision. But when your workloads need to scale, by default, it uses the Kubernetes methods, which is CPU and memory and the horizontal pod autoscaler. But you have a nice add-on feature, which is called KEDA or KEDA, depending on where you're from. I always call it KEDA. But this is an open source tool, which was actually created with Mugsoft and Red Hat to start off with. And now it's all open to the community, so anyone can go contribute. And this can integrate in with many, many different resources. So RabbitMQ, file services, Amazon S3, um, Azure, GKE, Prometheus, you name it, it's probably got a scaler and it reaches up to these scalers. Depending on what metrics you set, it will add extra pods. It sort of works on top of the horizontal pod or scaler as well. So it's using that Kubernetes stuff. It's really good. So definitely check it out. It's uh, keda.sh if anyone wants to have a look. Okay. So, you know, you mentioned before that Kubernetes very uh scalable thing what are your best practice for deploying application on aks for scaling it yeah good good again another good question so your best practices are always make sure you set your requests and limits for your cpu and memory always do that even if you're not sure set it and then you can always go back and check it um 
always make sure you have at least two replicas of your application running and you set your like pre-sop hooks and stuff like that. So uh, if, if it dies, you know, it can finish off doing what it's doing and die gracefully and stuff like that. So like on the SIG term, um, yeah, make sure you try and do topological spread. So in Azure, you've got zone availability zones one, two, and three. Make sure your workload can be spread over all three zones if needed. And another best practice, which is sort of changing for me now recently with the changes that have come from Azure, but um, you don't use persistent storage if you can get away with it. So if you needed to have storage, do API calls to blob storage or something. Don't mount that files or blob into your pod because it can slow things up. And obviously you want it to be super quick because it's in containers, but they are fixing that. They've got this new service called Azure Container Storage and we've now got the ability to use zone redundant storage with our AKS. So the story is getting better. I'm getting closer to being happy to suggest it, but um, yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Okay. So we want to find out, the viewers want to find out what inspired Richard Cooper to be involved with AKS. So can you find out (laughs) a bit more (laughs) things that inspired you to get started? Yeah, again, another good question. You've got some blinders here. Um, So I've got a sysadmin background. I started off on the help desk, worked all my way up, working on physical machine servers and then virtual machines, so like, um, you know, Hyper-V, VMware. And then I was working at this company. We had a monolithic application, and it was hard to get it to scale, basically. It was, you know, customers were sending us lots of information. We needed to scale the app quick, and it was extremely difficult so we started looking into containers and that technology and kubernetes and it just sort of made sense to me like i've got this infrastructure background kubernetes is just a sort of operating system in a way on top of services like the hyper v is you know it's like the vm where it's just kubernetes it orchestrates my workloads my workloads are now in a container instead of virtual machine You've got Helm charts and values files and all that, which is just like when I had MSIs to install my application with my MST, my transformation files. So to me, it just all clicked in my head and made sense. And so I thought, oh, this is where the world's going. This makes sense to me. Let's just go all in on it and uh, see where it takes me. And so far, it's been good. Okay, brilliant. So before we wrap up with the episode, we want to want to ask you, are you going to any events or future events? Yes, yes. So we've got a few coming up. We've got KubeCon in Paris, which is coming in uh, March. I'm super, super excited about that. Um, It's where thousands, literally thousands of people all come together, Microsoft, AWS, all these open source companies all come together and talk about Kubernetes in the cloud native world. Um, So I'm going to be there. Hopefully I'll see quite a few other people there. And then we've got experts live in budapest um this year which hopefully i'll see you again at nick because it was awesome to see you there last year in um prague and then obviously we got kubecon north america which is going to be in salt lake city uh um in november time and then hopefully fingers crossed this a lot um it will be microsoft ignite but we're still waiting for them to announce where that's going to be it'd be good to get back to a, a full microsoft conference you know that's my background so I like to be back there with the people that I know. That's brilliant. How can do before we close the episode? How can the audience learn more about AKS and connect with you to stay up to date? 
Yeah, good good question again. So to learn about AKS, I'm going to promote myself here. I've got an AKS course on LinkedIn, so go check that out. Uh, the Microsoft Learn documentation is awesome. They've also got Learn Paths all about AKS and the cloud native world, so check those out. But the best way is just to deploy it and start playing with it. It really makes life easier, I think. And um, don't think of it as too complicated because Yes, it's a massive beast, but it's just like VMware Hyper-V. You know, we had to deal with networking, storage, OS patching back in them days. It's just the same, just a different name for the software. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of get on Twitter as well, or X as it's called, and just start following people like myself who um, and some people at White Duck, um, Nico and Phil, and speak to Wesley and Carl all on um, Twitter. And, um, yeah just get involved with the community and talk to people. That's also another good way to learn. And then if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter or X pixel underscore robots. Uh, you can find me on my blog, pixel robots, find me on LinkedIn, Richard Hooper. It's got a weird thing. Cause I've got a cloud and stuff in the name. So just search for me um, and you'll find me. Okay. Brilliant. Is there any last few words that you want to say to the viewers or anything? Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're looking into Kubernetes and you're a bit afraid, don't be afraid. Just embrace it. It's not that difficult. If you've got a sysadmin background, if you've got a developer background, it's a bit harder. But if you just follow the learning paths on Microsoft Learn, it should be fine. Okay, brilliant. Okay, thanks for coming to this episode, Richard. Since you're quite busy, so hope you. So in few weeks, few days, it's going to be on. Uh, Spotify and Apple Music. So stay tuned. Bye. Bye.